Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sunny D. I want to thank you all so much uh, for tuning into the Seems Legit Podcast and for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. All right, it's been a little while since we've had a full episode dedicated to poker, so let's talk about it. There's a lot of things happening. Um, a strange, uh, very strange announcement uh, today uh, regarding a new event. Uh, so we're going to get into all of that, talk about the state of poker um, and what's been happening. I mean, COVID-19 has really, I mean, has taken out a year, essentially, and I think you know, even though it's saying the rest of 2020 and there's always going to be people that try to argue some man and like, well, it actually didn't take out all of a year. It took out nine months or whatever. But we're not, it's not like January is going to come around and be like, oh, okay, hey, we're back to pre-COVID. No, like at the earliest before we even start to see a semblance of what life was like pre-COVID, we're looking spring next year. So it's, it's taken out a year, right? And there could be longer lasting implications. We could be into the two, three, four year effects of COVID here i think that's that's a reality and it has already had a drastic impact in poker um you know i've already watched i don't think any of the poker rooms up in canada i could be wrong but i don't none of the ones here in winnipeg are open um that's reality uh there's a few open in vegas but i'll say this none of my friends that worked or work on the strip in poker actively are working at those jobs um as a matter of fact a number of them sadly uh did get their layoff notices uh some rooms have been closed permanently some rooms have been closed indefinitely uh it's a tough time for the poker community and especially at that level uh, in the casinos at that regular the lower stake level it's it's a tough time it's it's a very sad and tough time and I think that these things have to be kept in perspective. I mean, how many people have had to get second jobs, even up here in Canada? If you worked in poker, worked in any of the poker rooms here, like you're doing something else now, right? What has defined you as a person for so long? Well, good luck. That's not happening anymore. So it's, it's just, it's just, these are the signs and the things that aren't getting talked about when it comes to COVID-19. And I'm not trying to detract from just people being sick and whatnot, but these are the real impacts. You know, not just, you know, stock market fluctuations and people getting sick and hospitalizations and having to wear a mask. Like There's real tangible effects when you really break it down and think about it. And that's something that I think sometimes often and oftentimes gets lost on people, um, but has not gotten lost on me. And just wanted to take a second there to just say, like, how grave a situation this is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, that first step is rooms closing. Like, that's a big thing when you think about it. When you go to look back and let's say, let's take Vegas. Your first, like, if I was to go back to Vegas within the next couple of weeks, and I'm, that's not happening. I don't want people to take that out of context. Be like, oh my God, here he is preaching about COVID and he's going to Las Vegas. No, that's not the case at all. But if I was, it's a very different Vegas. And, and I'm not saying that because I know it's it, like, this is fact. It's a very different Vegas poker rooms that I often play in poker rooms that I've essentially kind of grown up in as I use air quotes here that you guys can't see don't exist anymore or are temporarily closed and may never come back. Like, this is very real. 
So it's important to understand that and just some of the implications. Everything just about has been moved online. I think, from what I gather, the only place running tournaments right now um, is the Venetian. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know if everything's six max. I don't know if they're doing eight max. I don't know what exactly they're doing. I haven't been down there to see it, but I know they are trying. They're, they are the first room that I know has actively kind of gotten back on somewhat of a track here in trying to run a somewhat normal poker room tournament schedule, um, which I can appreciate. Uh, I don't want to get into whether it's dangerous or you, all of these things um, because, I mean, there's valid arguments as to why maybe that isn't the greatest idea, why there maybe are some risks associated with that. Um, you know, and I've seen a couple of Twitter threads where some people said, no, they do take precautions. Other people saying, no, it's on you to take your own precautions. I don't know that I'm there. I mean, there might have been a time when I thought, hey, yeah, I would go play. But now I look at it, I'm like, I don't, like right now, how many cases there are, um, I've got so many people that are personal stakeholders and it just it wouldn't be fair to them uh to have me come down with it whether i got sick and you know something happened to me or i contracted it and nothing happened to me but i gave it to someone and god forbid something happened to them like these are just all realities so i don't know that i'm there yet i actually no i know i'm not there yet i'm not there to play live poker um but to each their own right i'm not gonna tell you how to live, you know uh, but I will say, if you are going to go play live poker, I do recommend, yeah, you take the proper precautions. You wear your mask. You keep your hand sanitizer nearby. You keep clean. You take whatever necessary precautions that you can. Like, it's not a matter of, oh, I'm going to go and I don't believe in wearing a mask. It's not just for you. It's for everybody involved. Um, I mean, which brings up the whole mask debate in itself. I don't really want get to in, get in too much of this COVID stuff. But, I mean, as you start, you kind of find yourself talking about it and yes wear your damn mask i don't get it like even today i was I, I had to stop off at walmart and there was a person at the thing arguing with the poor walmart greeter and they're right up in their business like they're not even respecting the six feet distance they're right up in this person's um face and yes i am a little fucking angry about this because i thought it was absolutely disgusting behavior and exactly why we still have a problem with spread is here was this fucking person in this poor greeter's face spewing their their germs at them and basically saying like how they have the right to come into the store because they can't they can't wear a mask they physically can't wear a mask because it affects their breathing well, I'm sorry, but when you have an illness that's a respiratory illness and that you fall into what they've what what experts have said is the at-risk categories. You have characteristics about you that make you at risk, including the fact that this person's self-admitting, "Oh, I get I have breathing issues." Then why the fuck are you going out right now? Like why is that happening? Like why do you, why would you then think, "Hey, it's you know, I can't I have breathing issues. I can't really get sick, but I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm not going to wear a fucking mask and I'm going to get in everybody's face about it. No, no, no. That is crap that needs to end. And that's the kind of shit that keeps magnifying the problem. So that needs to end. I will preach that. Wear your fucking mask when you're going out in public. Please, everybody. Like there's, you have nothing to lose by wearing the damn mask. Nothing at all. Oh, I'm wearing a mask. Oh, I'm giving in to oppressions by the government. No, you're fucking not. Do you want to be sick? I've said this before on the podcast and I'll say it again. 
People might have, in the past have made the joke. Everybody's made, oh, yeah, I could use a good cold. It's the time off you want. It's the time for yourself you want. Nobody actually fucking says to themselves, hey, you know what? I could go for a good cold and flu right now. Nobody fucking wants that. Nobody wants to be sick. right? Otherwise, you'd have people that would just be like, yeah, I just live in a constant state of influenza. No, you try to get better when you're sick. Somebody actually wants to be fucking sick, especially now when there's a virus out there that the biggest problem and the biggest issue we have with it is it does have such a different impact on everybody. And that that is the is one of the biggest concerns. It's not like your typical cold and flu where you're like, oh, the cold going around, man. Do you hear how wicked that cold is? Whew, I hear, man, you are just coughing and hacking for, you know, for five days straight whatever it is, or, oh, man, do you feel so malaise, man, do you feel weak, man, do you feel tired? There are so many different cases and so many different things happening with it, you just don't know what it's going to look like when it, if it hits you. So why the fuck chance it? Like, it's a shitty gamble. It's a shitty bet. Like, it's just, it, and, I, and I'm not saying this from someone who's a big-time better, but I do know people who are big into prop bets. But if you were, like, I'm sure any better would tell you it's a shitty bet. Oh, I'm just going to go and get it and chance it. What do you have to fucking gain? Like, we've learned that there's really nothing to gain by bringing it into your household and bringing it around people that you care about. I, I think, to me, I would view that as one of the most selfish acts if someone didn't take precautions and decided, hey, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go get it. If I get it, fuck it and fuck the people around me. That's basically what you're saying. Fuck you to you, fuck you to you, and fuck you to all of you. That's what you're saying when you decide I ain't going to take the fucking precautions when it comes to COVID. It's, it's, it's shit. And, and that's the kind of stuff that needs to end. And, and yes, maybe it requires more of us to be blunt about it. Enough, you know, tippy-toeing around feelings and, oh, I have the right. All this shit, you'd see these videos of people going to stores and being like, oh, it's against the law for you to make me wear a mask. Okay, well, let's look at the inverse of that. What do you have to fucking gain by not wearing the mask? The answer is nothing. You prove a point that, oh, I didn't have to wear a mask? Fuck it. Like, honestly, and if it's like, you know, even things, reusable masks, they're not that expensive. Even the disposable masks, think, to, think of it as an investment in your fucking self, in your own health and safety. Oh, I get, the masks get dirty. Wash them. Like, the, the, there's no real arguments that I'm hearing that say, hey, I don't need to wear a mask or I shouldn't wear a mask. Oh, well, it causes me breathing problems. Then don't fucking go out. Have someone go out for you. Click and collect whatever you need to do. But don't sit there and go, oh, I need to go into the store and make an argument as to why I don't need to wear it. Or, oh, I have a reason to not wear it. I have medical reasons not to. What fucking medical reason do you have, especially if it's respiratory? And I, and I get it. There was one we talked about is maybe if there's some psychological or neurological issues, you know, that might be a case. But again, we need to protect the you know, vulnerable members of our society. You know what, if someone, if, it, if there's a reason why someone can't wear a mask that isn't involving the respiratory system, maybe, you know, it, it is a neurological issue or psychological issue, whatever it might be, maybe we keep those people out of the stores, right? Oh, well, we're imp impeding on their freedom to go grocery shopping. What's more important, preventing and helping someone from getting sick or letting them go grocery shopping. It's like when I drive by the mall and I see the fucking parking lot full. I'm like, wait, what is going on here? Like, is there a, are they giving things away? 
Because what other incentive do you have to go into the shopping mall? You know the size clothes you wear. You know the type of sunglasses you want to buy. You know your size of jeans. You know your shoe size. You know what you need in and around your home. So what do you need to go to a store for? We have to suck it up. And that's the problem. People weren't sucking it up. And now, yes, we're losing the rest of 2020. Face it. And now we have this dinosaur-sized alligator that's roaming around Florida. And since it's 2020, that probably is the runt of the litter. The people are looking at, oh, look at this giant alligator. <laughs> it's 2020. Normally, if I saw that, I'd be like, wow, that's an anomaly. It's just the way it is. Like, in all honesty, we might even have aliens by the end of the year coming and, and walking amongst us. Like, it's just, this is crazy. But anyway, let's get back to poker. Big So, yeah. So, Poker Everywhere has moved online. There's really no live poker and no live poker events other than I think there's a few in at King's Casino um, in Razvedov over in the Czech Republic um, and at the Venetian in Las Vegas. I don't know that anywhere else is. I don't know if the Win. I, th- I know the Win had opened their room and then reclosed it, uh, but I don't know that there's anywhere that's having tournaments, let alone tournament series other than the Venetian. And uh, I, I don't know how that's going. I mean, I could look up how many registrants and things like that they're having but regardless poker live poker as we know it has changed no ifs ands or buts um and one of the big things this year and is the crowning kind of poker tournament of the year the world series of poker um and the infamous gold bracelet and yes um still in the poker community the world series of poker is regarded as kind of the big leagues the proving ground the upper echelon of poker tournaments and they do a good job. I'm not going to, you know, try and uh, say anything else there. It really is. In the grand scheme of it, when you mix in buy-ins, game varieties, all of these things, field sizes and whatnot. And yes, there are things I'd like to see. For instance, I, I do believe all bracelet events should be freeze out or and maybe have a couple events that are single re-entry um, just because of the nature maybe of the game per se. Um, but again, that's part of the game too. Got your chips in bad, you lose. Better luck next year. Like, isn't that... Don't you kind of want to know that you showed up, you had an equal shot at it, and uh, this is what happened, right? You want to know that. If As a winner, you want to know that you put your best foot forward and your best foot was what was best on that given event. Anyway, that's just me. That's just my perspective. But nonetheless, um, WSOP, the top. They moved online. And there was a lot of talk about that, a lot of debate, you know, because it was going to be all No Limit Hold'em or Pot Limit Omaha events. I don't think they had any Omaha high-low. I think they had Limit Hold'em. There's all Omaha or, or Hold'em variants, all flop games. Um, so there was none of the draw games, none of the low ball games, none of the stud variants, none of that. Um, which, you know, there's a lot of debate on that. Um, and I do sit in the pool of players that do believe to be true, true overall poker player you do need to have a certain acumen and ability in the mixed games i think that's really where you can truly demonstrate true poker ability and a lot of players historically and even still to this day do view it as the as the pros truly are mixed game players um and yeah some aren't as good as other mixed game players but they can play the mix um but the mixed game events that's why it's the poker players championship is a mixed game event it's a, you know, this year I think it was going to be a nine game mix and we can talk about that if we have time in this episode of why eight games, why nine games, why 11 games, whatever you want to do. Um, but 
nonetheless moved online, changed to all flop games. So stud and Omaha, uh, sorry, Omaha and Hold'em variants. Um, for better or worse, that's just the way it was. Now, it got a little complicated because it was run across two platforms. There was some events being played on GG Poker. They were the kind of international poker partner of the WSOP this year, and they've really found themselves in, um, in, a, in a really neat and interesting and uh, um, spot with their partnership with the WSOP. And on the other side of it, WSOP.com was running events. So as I was trying to follow along throughout the summer, I was like, wait, what's going on here? Is this a GG Poker event? Is this a WSOP event? Is this a bracelet? What's going on here? got a little complicated. Um, eventually, it kind of started to make sense. I'm sure it made sense to people that were actually like full-time. This is what we're going to grind out this year. It made sense to them. But nonetheless, um, there was events spread, which, which again, for better or worse, there was arguments for or against it. But at least... I give the WSOP credit in that they tried to hold something. They did try to have something. I mean, a lot a lot of people, I'm not saying I'm saying but I know there was a good sum of people, myself included, thought, hey, if, if this all plays out well with COVID-19, if we can have a vaccine, if we can curb the spread, yes, maybe we could have a live WSOP by the fall. That's not happening. And right now we're even talking situations. I was watching the uh, Doug Polk, Daniel Negrani match. Uh, the feed there the other day. I was watching it on the Upswing Poker channel. Not gonna, whichever channel you watch on, that's your business. Uh, and I'm not particularly biased to that channel. I just happened to be the first one that popped when I searched it. They were watching it. Uh, Ryan Fee and Sean Deeb were doing the commentary. Um, and uh, I know what people say about the guy. I do have a lot of respect for Sean Deeb as a poker player. Um, it's, it's hard to argue against his poker abilities. He is He is one of the top players in the world. Whether people want to admit it or not, Sean Deeb is at that upper echelon. Um, that very, very, very elite. Um, especially over the last few years here, uh, he's just taken his game to a whole new level. Um, especially his WSOP game and, and what he's been able to do. Uh, player of the year in 2018. Runner-up in 2019. I don't think that's ever done where the reigning player ends up getting a runner-up. And with a, with a valid and um, shot at, at repeating and uh, there was some controversy there uh surrounding uh the, his attempt at repeating but regardless not getting into that uh they were doing the commentary and even sean deeb himself said we're at it right now we're at a coin basically a coin flip um and that's kind of paraphrasing what he said not his exact wording that's not a direct quote but nonetheless a lot of the discussion in the poker community is about where are we at with having these big massive events and right now with COVID and right now with spread and, you know, with limited ability to monitor everybody, it is a coin flip situation as to whether you could have something as massive as the WSP because it would be a super spreader. One of the big causes, whether people want to admit it or not, for the spikes in cases throughout the year have been rallies, mass gatherings. Mass gatherings of people, as we know, are not a great thing for germ spread at the best of times let alone with COVID-19 like these are facts this is science this is math this isn't you know opinion this is fact this is this is rooted in science and mathematics uh so whether people want to debate that or not that oh hey it's okay to be in a crowd oh you know this is all fake no that's not true that's just simply not true um and yes even at the best even before COVID it's always a good idea to not be around sick people. They always say that don't bring sick people around young children. Don't take them around your old, you know, around older people. It's just 
it still applies here. You know, whether you're on the fence of how you believe what's actually going on with COVID or not, it's just, it is true. Something that's a communicable disease, don't be in large gatherings, especially without some kind of precautions. It's just fact. You know, you I would often say, oh God, somebody's sick, stay away. You know, or I'm sick, maybe you don't want to come over, whatever it is. And that was before COVID-19. These will still apply even more so now with COVID-19. Regardless, these events become super spreaders. That's where there is some huge liabilities and risks in holding the event, let alone attending these events. And that's where I think people have to be a little more cognizant of like the realities going into 2021. How normal could it get? How normal could things return to, right? A lot of things we see, I hope, do stick around. Like, as I've said, certain cleanliness procedures. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with public places having to be cleaner. I'm okay with airplanes having to be cleaner. I'm okay with hotels and hotel rooms having to be cleaner. I'm okay with these things. And I hope these are standards that stay moving forward. Period. But yes, in other cases, there are adaptations that have made that you hope are temporary, like online poker. Or does it eventually become a thing where, yes, you now start to have more of the platforms offering the wider variety of games? And then therefore, yes, maybe now you do still have the online versions. There might be people that will never feel comfortable again going out in public or play, going to these massive gatherings again. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So maybe that's how the adaptation curve happens. And uh, But nonetheless, we did have this uh, a WSOP that happened throughout the summer. And I forget, it was a lot of events. Um, and if I remember correctly, I can, you can go back in old episodes when I had actually calculated the number and had projected, and I think it had even been revealed. There, were, this was going to be, I think, the first year, one of the for, that we we're going to have over 100 bracelets offered in Las Vegas. I could be wrong, but it was going to be a high number, if not 90 bracelets. I think. I think my prediction was 90 bracelets over 100 would be awarded when you included Vegas and Europe. I'd have to go back and check, but nonetheless, we were going to have. It was going to probably be the biggest year. 2020, start of a new decade, uh, was going to be the big year. Uh, last year was the 50th anniversary, so that was so they had special commemorative bracelets. I was very upset with myself that I didn't win one. Very, very sad uh, that I didn't win a bracelet uh, last year. But, again, nobody to blame for that really but myself. Um, as I've said, the formula for winning bracelets and winning any poker tournament or any kind of tournament endeavor is simple. You have to put yourself in positions to win, and when in those positions, you have to play to win. You have to do what it takes. It's very it, it breaks down from those two components. Yeah, of course it it, break, it filters down more. But it comes down to two things: put yourself in positions to win, avoid positions to fail, and when in positions to win, you have to play to win. Simple as that. Um, and I, and again, that's the basic formula. It's like it's like saying any function is basically the combination of and, and this is kind of true. X is equal to A plus or minus B plus or minus C plus or minus D plus or minus E. That's fact. It's what A is. A could be kind of complicated. B could be kind of complicated. C could be kind of complicated. D could be kind of complicated. But they all relate to each other in some kind of pattern. Uh, addition of strata multiplication. Maybe, you, you know, you get some more complicated mathematic functions. But life is basically like that. Right, you have components that you're adding or subtracting. Life is broken down to that. A plus or minus B plus or minus C 
plus or minus D, add in as many of these little things as you want. A could be complicated, B could be simple, C could be simple, D, E, F could all be complicated. But nonetheless, that's the formula. No different here uh, in, in poker. It's the same basic principle. Uh, and, and I would debate anybody on that that says it, it's different. It really isn't. Um, I, and, and yes, for the sake of podcast, for the sake of the time, uh, I've simplified it a little bit. But that is basically the simple premise of it. Um, and, and that comes out, and that even comes out of a strategic perspective as well. But we don't need to get into that. We can talk about that in another episode um, relating to poker strategies and maybe explaining them a little bit better. Uh, helping pe- people understand some of these more advanced, and I use air quotes even there when it's when your pros talking about this or that, talking about what is actually transpiring, talk about the true, you know, tr- try to break it down a little bit, give you guys some a little more science and math perspective on it. But uh, regardless, WSB happened, including which they had what many people believed was a main event. Now, some people had some issues with it because there was apparently a ton of entry flights. I don't know if it was freeze out, if it was single entry per flight, like you could enter each flight one time. Regardless, there was again controversy and debate surrounding that. But it happened. It went through. We had a WSP. We had a main event. And as far as everybody had known, we had a WSOP main event winner. Well, we thought. But then today, the WSOP announces... World Series of Poker main event to return. Well, what? wait a second. Hold up. What's going on here? Now, of course, in, in the press release, of course, the additional wording is used, like world champion of poker. Well, again, there are some arguments to be made there. Is the, is the world champion? champion really the main event winner i mean is the poker players champion truly the world champion of poker i i've talked about the importance of some of these events and whatnot but nonetheless they're going to be crowning a world champion let's take that to be your main event champion but i thought we had a main event well no this is the main event but it says main event even when you check the schedule it says main event and imagine being the guy that won that main event wait i won the main event it's kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of professional wrestling in a sense. When a guy wins the championship, then disappears for a while, and whatever the off-camera reason is, then they crown a new champion just to have the other person come back. This famously happened a few years, um, I should say, more than a few years ago now, but yeah, a few years ago, within the 2010s, I believe, um, with uh, CM Punk and John Cena. Uh, where CM Punk had infamously gotten pissed off with the company. He was the WWE champion, long-standing WWE champion, and had it out, was calling out Vince McMahon, was calling out Triple H. I remember in the middle of the ring said, this isn't a matter of me talking CM Punk to Triple H. This is Phil Brooks talking to Paul Levesque. And then they shut off his mic, and they were like, And he was like, of course you fuckers did this, all right? And then it got... There was probably some of the best raw promo footage wrestling could have ever hoped for, no matter what organization was happening during this time. Punk walks out. John Cena eventually gets crowned the new champion. I mean, John Cena was the company man, a reliable guy to be the champion. And then Punk comes back. And he's like, hold up. What are you doing with a WWE title? Like, is that a replica? Like, what is it? I'm the fucking champ. 
it's kind of coming across like we're now like maybe this is good for poker business but maybe we now have a situation where we have a champ and a dual champ situation here where you're like well, wait a minute i'm the main event champion no i'm the main event champion and here's where it gets even a little bit like just this is crazy what's going on here and I get what the WSOP is trying to do. They're trying to keep the brand, you know, there's 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 some branding, some business perspective here um, as well. Like I can put on my business hat. I do have a business degree for those of you that uh, ever forget or doubt. I get it from a business perspective. <coughs> Pardon me. Of trying, you know, of branding and keeping brands alive and keeping interest in a brand. And I guess because of how the main event kind of went by this year without kind of the television coverage without any live poker um with all that debate surrounding it maybe you're trying to redeem yourself whatever the reasoning might be i get there are some valid um or or there are some business arguments to be made regarding this okay i'm not sitting here talking against the wsu i'm just saying like how this is playing out and shaping out is just like in a way it's so 2020 this is so fucking 2020 what's happening. But anyway, this new quote-unquote main event has a tournament bracket style to it as well. So it's not not quite bracket style in terms of a heads-up event, which, by the way, there was two heads-up bracelets awarded this summer. One was actually a player's, a people's choice. I don't know how it was. I think maybe you had to buy into the event. I have to look into this more, find out from somebody whether it was everybody who bought in then had a right to cast a ballot as to what type of game they wanted to play. I don't know how it worked, but there was a $25,000 buy-in online event. That's a lot of money for an online buy-in, by the way. Um, and to keep it in perspective... Um, the scales by which we measure online buy-ins and live buy-ins are very different. Um, the high roller threshold for online buy-ins is typically a lot lower starting than it is for a live buy-in, right? You'll see high rollers that'll have like a $3,200 buy-in. And people are like, huh, well, how's that a high roller when it said that there was a 50K high roller? It's just, it's all about perspective. And, and the various bars and metrics by which you use to evaluate things. So it's not different than when you take a university course and some people say, well, not all A's are created the same. And then there's arguments to be made like an A is automatically 90%. Well, not necessarily. There's, you know, there's some second and third year math and physics courses where an A is 66% because there's so much information and it is so relatively difficult. And what you have to know as an undergraduate student is, is quite a bit that, yes, if you could s demonstrate a 66% understanding of that information, then, yeah, that's an A+. And, and remember, too, there's other things that go into evaluation, especially in universities and whatnot. Um, but nonetheless, we're not getting into that. Just an example here of understanding the metrics by which we evaluate things. So they had a 25000 which is, like, just to me, that's an insane amount of money to be putting into an online buy-in event especially with some of the controversies that happen with online poker and and where you know i'm going to try and stay clear of that a little bit at least on this episode we can talk about that in another episode but 25k buy-in ended up being heads up no limit hold'em fedor holes won that uh so that's the second career bracelet i believe um and and for the record i believe all of his bracelets if that is the second then both of them have come in high roller events uh and then there was the t the standard 10k heads up uh, which was won by David Peters, 
I believe it was his second bracelet as well, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, Daniel Legrand famously cashed in that. Um, actually, I think a couple, at least two GG Poker ambassadors that I know of cashed in there. Daniel Legrandu and uh, uh, Bertrand uh, Elke Gropelier. Uh, actually, I can say Bertrand better than that. So Bertrand Elke Gropelier. Um, was uh, the other GG Poker ambassador that I know of. Uh, and I've had the chance to meet uh, both players. Um, and I, I, never, I didn't have a neg I haven't had a negative experience with them. So, um, you know, people's feelings aside, um, those two poker ambassadors, they did both cash. So I guess good for GG Poker. Good for both Elky and Dean Eggs. Can't say, you know, it is what it is. Um, but um, so we had the heads up. We had all these things. Now we have this interesting, um, and in a way it's kind of good for poker business. Poker needs to kind of pick up again. Um, poker kind of got dropped a ball in my opinion um, in terms of not showing archive footage, not trying to find new ways of creating footage uh, during the pandemic, especially those early days in the spring when people were locked at home um, and we were all glued to Netflix and watching Tiger King and all kinds of other things. Um, but... Um, poker, in my opinion, there's a glorious opportunity for poker to be taking up more TV time. Uh, and, and people forget the, the poker boom was created by lockouts in other sports, namely hockey. Hockey lockout doesn't happen in 2003, whenever it is. There aren't as many people watching poker on ESPN, I can tell you that much. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it is what it is. Uh, so now they're, maybe there's not, maybe this is a way to make up for that. So what they've done is they've created essentially a two field then a battle to be the ultimate poker champion so you have an international field versus a domestic field which is a domestic being american field uh the domestic field will play on the wsop.com platform what i gather and you have to be located in new jersey or nevada to play international one i guess can play anywhere in the world from what i'm gathering here and, and reading um, it's a ten thousand dollar freeze out by um, freeze out event, as well as um, now here's the really cool part. They will play final tables, or I guess not cool part, but this is where it gets interesting. Both sides of the brackets here will play final tables and will pay their players and their pools individually and separately. So you don't need to be focused on what's happening in the quote-unquote domestic bracket, nor do you need to be um, to, to cash in the international field, and nor does the, inter uh, does the domestic bracket have to care what's happening in the international field to worry about their caching. The caching will happen separately and independently from each other. From what I'm gathering here and what I've read, again, you can go to WSOP.com. They do have, um, as of 9 a.m. Eastern this morning, they do have a whole write-up whole write up page explaining it the best they can. Um, <clears throat> now, like typically in the, in the WSOP, what makes the main event so special is that they do really celebrate it. It is the deepest field event. Uh, it does have the two-hour um, levels. It has the deep stacks. It is freeze-out. Uh, there's a lot of poker to play. 
Um, again, the same thing is what they're saying is going to happen here. It's going to be a freeze out. It's going to be $10,000 to buy in, uh, deep stacks, long playing levels, um, which again, online versus in per live poker, what constitutes long levels are very different things as well. So keep that in mind. So it'll be interesting once the, the full structure of the events are released, um, how this plays in and how it tries to be similar and encapsulate the live game. The next part that's always makes the main event special and is, a, is an accomplishment in itself um, to many poker players is making what's affectionately known as the November 9. What historically has happened is they play the, the main event in the summer, you get down to the final nine, which is the final table, and then they'd actually ship them off back home, you could go, you could make merchandise, you could do whatever you wanted to do, and then you come back and it's played on T, and then ESPN would be there to cover the event and be played on TV, um, and they would call those people the November 9. This year, uh, and then I think the last couple of years, I forget which year exactly they start. I think it was when, um, oh, God, uh, when Kui Win, I believe, when Kui Win won the main event uh, in 15 or 16, somewhere in there. Um, well, I guess we could go backwards. So 19 was Jose Nenson, 18 was John Sin, 17 with Scott Blumstein, 16 would be Kui Win, 17 would be McKeon, 14 would be Jacobson, uh, I think uh, 13 would have been Merson. Um, before Merson, I guess it would have been Pius Hines, or P.S. Hines. Before P.S. Hines, ooh, who won the main of, was it Ryan Reese? Did Ryan Reese win it before P.S. Hines or after P.S. Hines? Anyway, nonetheless, that's kind of how it played out. Uh, yes, I, as I've said, I'm not just a poker player. I'm a poker fan. I do like to consider myself kind of like a walking library of poker knowledge and poker um, talk and all of these things. I do like to know these facts. Uh, just like the first three poker players championships uh, were won by, uh, what's his, uh, were won by um, Chip Reese. Freddie Deeb, Scotty Wynn, respectively. Uh, what was interesting is how it was actually a 50K horse event. The first one was an interesting one because it was a 50K horse event where the final table was played all no limit hold'em. Uh, so that kind of changed things up a bit. Uh, but nonetheless, um, back to the thing here. So you're going to have essentially two, they're going to play online uh, to the final nine, at which the final nine from both fields will play live. Um, the international bracket, from what I'm gathering, will play at King's Casino in Rosvedov, Czech Republic. The domestic will play at the Rio in Las Vegas. Here's what's interesting about that. As a Canadian, let's say I want to enter the event. I'm assuming I would have to enter the international bracket and field. At which point I'd have to get on a plane and fly to Rosvedov to play all right now here's where it gets really interesting the winners of both of those will then play in las vegas heads up to crown the ultimate main event champion of the year and i guess there's a, so what happens there is there will then be an another million dollars up for grabs so each player i guess will be paid a first place prize from that respective prize pool so each prize pool will be completely resolved paid out and done then another million dollars is being put up by caesar's entertainment from what i gather and those two will play heads up 
for um with the bracelet and the title as they say here of 2020 world champion here's what's interesting Note, should the international winner be under the age of 21 and thereby ineligible to play in the state of Nevada, organizers reserve the right to change the date and location of the heads-up match. So here's kind of an interesting thing too. I guess because of jurisdictions and what age you're allowed to actually gamble at, you could have an international winner. The domestic one in the States, you'll have to be 21 to do to win that side. But I guess what could happen is, let's say hypothetically you have a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old, and I believe Annette Oberstad is the youngest bracelet winner ever, if not maybe the youngest w, um, Europe main event. I think she won a Europe main event. I could look that up as I speak here. Um, but um, Annette Oberstad was the youngest um, when she was playing poker. She has since uh, retired. Um, and let's see here. Uh, yes, Norwegian YouTuber and poker player. She is the youngest person uh, to win a World Series of Poker bracelet, which she accomplished at the 2007 World Series of Poker Europe. Okay. She has the one bracelet, um, and I believe it was in the... Yep. Yeah, it was in uh, 10,000 No Limit Hold'em, uh, and I believe it was their, their main event. So, yeah. So, she became the youngest to do it um, when the inaugural... Oh, yeah. So here it is. So yeah, so she won the inaugural World Series of Poker uh, Europe main event at 18 years old, uh, which is a hell of an accomplishment. Um, and uh, great for Annette. Annette was actually for a time period there was like a player to watch. Um, she's a hell of a poker player um, and actually had some very interesting strategies and takes on the game of No Limit Hold'em. Uh, but regardless... Uh, yes. So let's hypothetically say you had a situation like that again, where someone who's 18, 19 years old wins the Europe version. I guess what would happen there is they might have to then move it over to King's Casino so that the domestic champion could go on to play the European champion for the actual bracelet. Here's what's crazy about this, or what's interesting. I shouldn't use necessarily the word crazy, but you end up with a situation with two people now that feel kind of like a champion. You've beaten your entire field. But from what I gather, they're not both getting bracelets. Um, they will play out now for the ultimate bracelet and another million dollars. I don't, I don't know that necessarily both winners will win an equal amount of money. It comes down to the field size, I guessing, and many other, and, and that, is the biggest factor really field size because um, the buy-ins are the same. So however that might be resolved. Um, but yeah, you'll have one bracelet. So here's where things get really get kind of interesting and, and for lack of a better term, a little bit pro wrestling-y. You have the guy who feels like he won the main event in the summer. All right, let's just say that. Now you have someone that wins the Europe or the international um, field and you have a domestic field winner. Then they'll play and then they'll have you essentially have what will end up crowning two main event winners, hypothetically, or two people that feel like they've won the main event. This is where kind of things get interesting. This is where asterisks get added. Right? These are the kind of things that it's like, whoa, wait a second here. Now we start to add some asterisks because, well, hold up. We've got a situation where, yeah, now I feel like I've won the main event. No, I feel like I've won the main event. I don't know that there is an easy solution. 
And maybe there is a solution where maybe both field winners get bracelets, right? They each get a 2020 WSOP online bracelet, and then you get another main event bracelet, a live one, a big one, the flashy one, whatever it might be. Maybe there's a way then, like maybe there's an argument to be made that whoever won it in the summer gets a shot at winning um, another bracelet versus this winner, right? Like there's so many things to think about. And this is where I think it gets interesting. This is where people have so many questions. There's a lot of talk, positive, negative, whatever it is. There's just a lot of discussion happening today in the poker community regarding this. So I thought I'd break it down. I thought I'd uh, talk to you guys about this. I thought this would be an exciting topic to bring um, some poker talk back um, into uh, our lives here and back on the Seems Legit podcast. But nonetheless, thank you so much. Uh, I think I can pretty much kind of wrap it up there i think we could probably talk about this all day but i do thank you so much for listening to this as i said it's kind of an interesting thing it's a very interesting announcement um lots to talk about there and i'm sure we'll be talking about this a lot more on the podcast but wanted to bring everybody up to speed as best i could on my interpretation of what's going on so i thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the seems legit podcast Again, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. I thank you so much again for the continued support here on the Seems Legit podcast. Take care and bye bye for now.